It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles True Crime Podcast. Mm. I am Donnie, and with me is a man who just started a band, and it's called Employees Must Wash Hands. They have posters everywhere. It's Dale. <laughs> That's right, man. We got them everywhere. Yeah, yeah all in your local bathroom. <laughs> That's right. Soap up good. That's it. <laughs> Count to 20, ABCs, all that shit. <laughs> wash your hands. Wash them. Wash them good. What's going on, dude? Oh, man. I just got back from Vegas. Just flew in, and boy, my arm's tired. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. No, really, we did. We, uh, me and uh, me and the wife, been out to Vegas for about a week, and uh, just flew in this morning. So, man, we had a great time. Yeah, you're on uh, Vegas time right now. Yeah, I'm trying to get back together. It's kind of crazy. You fly out there, you get back, you get out there like an hour after you leave, and you leave to come home. And we left. We our flight was at midnight. We got home at seven a.m. Yeah, you lose a lot of time. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, but, man, it was good. We had a really good time. Yep. Yeah. That's it. And we're going to forego the shout-outs this week. We have got an interview going on, but we want to remind everybody to check out the store page. Yeah, man. Get you a T-shirt or do something cool. That's right. Get you some cool stuff. Yep. The lights are getting dim, so somebody needs to order something. <laughs> Pump it up, man. Pump it up. And go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Yeah. Write something in the box. Yeah, and if you find a uh, random... Uh, Crackhouse Chronicle sticker in Las Vegas. Take a picture with it, and I will send you a free shirt. Man. Myself. That sounds like a deal. Because <laughs> Dale stuck them everywhere. <laughs> there is definitely some there. And we got some new stickers in the Crackhouse this week. Dude, these are killer, too. They are awesome. So we're going to start passing those out and get them out and let yeah. you guys display them on whatever you stick them to. Yeah, stick them on your stickery. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got one on the beer fridge right behind me right here in the crack house. Yeah, it looks good, too. It does. Yeah. With the, along with the Area 51 magnet I brought you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. All right, dude. We are going to get into this episode. Okay, it's going to be a good one, I think. And today we have our good friend, Laura Rist, back on the show. Yes. Yep. She has graciously decided to, well, she didn't decide. She agreed yeah. and wanted to be back on the show to discuss uh, a case, uh, actually, actually, it's a missing little boy. Yeah, from Jefferson City, Tennessee. Yeah, I really, uh, really dig in this partnership we have with her. Yeah, she has become an awesome friend of the show. Yes, but today we are going to be discussing David Clayton Warner, who went missing in 1983, like mm. we said, in Jefferson City, Tennessee. Right, Laura, welcome to the show. 
We're glad to have you back on the show. Yes, we are. That's great. I should tell you, folks, uh, my name is actually pronounced Risty. It's a Norwegian name. Risty. Well, I've Risty. All, all I've heard is wrist. So No, it's Risty. You say the E on the end. I'm from uh, Norwegian, uh, Norwegian heritage, and... Nine people out of ten don't know how to pronounce the name. So I think I heard a, I think I heard Tim and Lance call you Laura Wrist when you did an interview with yes, those guys. They, yes, they did. Yeah, I, I answer to both. Uh, I answer to a lot of things, actually. <laughs> yeah, don't don't we all? <laughs> it, it is Laura Wristy, yes. Okay. <laughs> all right. We're the... Uh, call me late for dinner. <laughs> yeah, call you for dinner. They call you whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Well, we're, today we have Laura Rist on the show again, Dale. And, it's uh, Risty, sir. And uh, we're talking about <laughs> David Clayton Warner. Yeah. And he went missing. He's a 12-year-old that went missing in Jefferson City, Tennessee. Laura, That's right, yeah. He went missing on March the 2nd of 1983. Right. And Laura, right. Can, can you tell us a little bit of background on david warner i think it, people called him little david or just david yes, they did. Uh, um, david uh david warner he was born in uh, 1971 and his mother was quite young when he was born i think she was maybe 15 or 16 so david's uh grandmother stepped in and raised him but his mother was very much uh a part of his life um and David came from like a large extended family, so there were a lot of uh, a lot of aunts and uh, uncles and cousins that were willing to uh, jump in and help with his uh, upbringing, because his grandmother did work. She had a job in a hosiery mill. Hmm. Uh, David was born with epilepsy, and in the 1970s, you know, epilepsy was still something that uh, the medical profession was learning about every day. Yeah. Um, David spent a lot of time in the hospital when he was uh, a young guy um, while they were trying to get uh, him treated for these seizures and, and so on. Um, the, the medicine that he took for his seizures actually rotted his teeth. Um, so that was another, another issue they were having. Um, because David was in the hospital while they were trying to get his epilepsy sorted out, he missed a lot of school. Uh, so he was 12 years old and he was in the fourth grade when he went missing. Okay. Um, he wasn't smart enough, a smart enough boy, uh, but it was believed like the confines of the classroom were a little, little hard for him. Like it was hard for him to learn in a classroom setting. But he was a smart boy, and actually, the day that he disappeared, he had brought his report card uh, home from school, and he had an A in uh, physical education, and he was really excited. Oh, I bet so. So that day, he came home with an A on the report card. He was supposed to go to a church function there near his home. What? Yes, that's right. Um, he was going to go uh, to a church function. It was just a small, independent church. But from what I understand, David did go to the church, and he did go in and just decided not to stay. He hmm. turned around and left the church. Uh, he was sighted at a brother's restaurant. It was a hamburger chain that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, because he got an A on his report card, he'd get a free hamburger and a drink from brother's. Kind of like when we were kids, if you had a, 
good report card, you'd get a little pizza from Pizza Hut. Yeah. So he had his uh, hamburger and drink, and then accounts differ. Some say that he went to a friend's house to watch television and then left the friend's house and only had to walk 30 yards to his own house. Other accounts say that he left the Druthers restaurant and he just disappeared. Hmm. When his grandmother went in the next morning to wake David up for school, uh, she had noticed that he had arranged like the pillows and the bed coverings in a way that looked like he was sleeping in bed. But when she lifted the covers, David wasn't there. So how close was this restaurant and church to his house? It was right in the neighborhood. Uh, David was a very street-smart boy, and he knew Jefferson City inside out, upside down. He was a, a boy that occasionally got into mischief, but never anything that harmed anybody else, and, and nothing uh, nothing major where the police had to get involved. Right. Mm-hmm. But because his grandmother worked, he spent a lot of time just roaming around, so he knew the streets and, like I said, the town, like the back of his hand. And Jefferson City, I did some research, in the 1980 census, there was only about 5,500 people that lived in the town, so it was quite small. Right. Yeah. So he could walk to, to and, all these places. Yeah, okay. and, and he uh, also to the arcade and spent time in the arcade. It said that he could shoot pool and beat men twice his, uh, twice his age. Um, and he never knew a stranger. He was a very friendly boy, always talking to people. Um, he was always willing to help people carry groceries. People would pay him to go to the store and pick up things for them and bring them back. And his family believed because he was so friendly and was of the, the thought that, you know, everybody's my friend kind of thing, maybe that that was he disappeared. Somebody took advantage of that. Yeah, very possible. Why wasn't he checked on before the next morning? Do we know? Yeah. That I'm not sure. I looked back through newspaper articles, and it doesn't really say. I'm not sure if his grandmother was at work and there was nobody else in the house really looking out for David. He was 12 years old at the time. Perhaps they thought he was okay to be on his on his own. Um, I mean, the kid had been, they were fine to let him roam the streets and everything. Now, <coughs> listeners got to understand, this is the 1980s. You yeah. know, things are a lot different now. Oh, yeah. But definitely. in the 1980s and, and prior to that, it really, if you didn't come home before the streetlights came on, really nobody got too excited. Um, that was kind of, you know, your cue where you had to go in the house was the light the street lights started coming on. If you lived in the city, of course, I was a farm kid. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was your cue to come in the house. Right. But yeah. because they seemed to let David roam, roam through town, maybe they just really weren't too concerned that anything was going to uh, going to go wrong. Like I said, the grandmother possibly was at work. I don't know what shift she worked. Yeah, and that probably happened quite a bit. He would just come in and go to bed, and she would get him up the next morning for school. It was probably just a, a regular thing for them. Right. Well, one newspaper account said that he frequently, that the, the kid that he was 
in some newspaper accounts, it said that he had gone to a friend's house to watch TV. Mm-hmm. And it, it was thought that, um, you know, he might have just spent the night over there because apparently he had done that before. Um, yeah. I mean, I would I would have had to have had permission from my parents to do something like that, but perhaps it didn't raise any red flags. Um, well, it kind of seems like he was a, a neighborhood kid, you know, everybody kind of pitching in, like you said, so yeah. maybe it's a little bit different for him, and it would, a lot would make sense, you know, that everybody kind of looks out after him, you know. Well, the, one of the police officers that was involved in the uh, in the search for David said that if he was in his cruiser just, you know, going around the neighborhood and checking, like if David was outside, he'd often come over and just talk to him and and uh, and chat with him. Like like I said, the kid didn't seem to know a stranger. He was very friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, kind of thought that everybody was his buddy. I just wonder if David was very trusting. Seems that way. He was very trusting. His, um, his aunt and his grandmother said that that was probably something that somebody took advantage of they said that uh somebody could have easily easily gotten david in a car yeah even if he didn't really know them or or whatever you know they might have said oh just get in or whatever and he probably would have would have gotten in what was the story on uh david's biological father do we know well there was a, a david's biological father he lived in florida and he hadn't. He said that he hadn't seen David um, for about a year uh, before David went missing. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that there was some some rumor going around that David had been sighted in Florida, and there was um, some issue with the Tennessee uh, Police Department being able to coordinate things with the Florida Police Department and check into this, and there was a three-month delay. Wow. In the time that this delay happened, the father had moved. They had trouble tracking him down and so on and so forth. Apparently, a kid that looked exactly like David had been spotted in Florida. And once the police finally got their ducks in a row, so to speak, and went down and checked this out, of course nothing nothing came of it but there was a rumor that the father david's biological father had taken him had kidnapped him and they could never substantiate that they did track down david's biological father and he did allow them to come in and search his apartment but there was no sign of david Hmm. that is so crazy yeah and really, I'm not sure what exactly the father would have had to gain by taking David mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, you know, people got to have a motive for for something. I I don't know that he was paying any kind of child support or anything like that. If that was the motive to get out of paying it, to go and steal the kid back, if there was any animosity there. Um, I mean, he hadn't seen him for a year. Um, so I, I'm not quite sure. I, I couldn't find out too much uh, about that fact. What about David's mother? She was 15 or 16 at the time. Uh, where was she living at when David disappeared? Uh, she was still in Jefferson City, and she was very much a part of uh, David's life. He was well aware that she was his mother, and uh, his grandmother was raising him. Like That was never kept from him or, or anything okay. like that. It was mainly just, you know, told to David, well, 
you know, I was just I was just too young to look after you properly. Okay. But she was very much a part of his life, and she was, of course, devastated when he when he went missing. Um, nothing that I could find um, said anything like where she would have uh, contributed to his disappearance, anything like that. Uh, I couldn't find anything to that. Uh, to that. Well, I'm sure she was looked into, as well as the you know the grandmother and everybody else in his life. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have another lady that I talked to, and she's a, a missing persons advocate, and she's from Knoxville, mm-hmm. and she studied this case quite a quite a bit, and she told me that there were rumors that um, David was the was. I'm not sure if he was doing this um, against his will, or if he was doing it voluntarily i mean the kid was 12 years old he was he was young Mm -hmm. but um she had told me that there was quite strong evidence that he was a drug mule so he he was yeah he was carting drugs for for someone and she said that um you know that was kind of why he made it look like um he was in in bed or or whatever so if uh, his grandmother or one of his aunts happened to look in his room, that they think, oh, David's just in just in bed, and he got into some kind of trouble uh, with with running drugs, and that's what led to his uh, his disappearance. Hmm, that's very very possibility. Pretty interesting. There. Well, he was like I said, a very streetwise kid. Like right. people said that he was. Um, streetwise, like far beyond his years, it was just learning in school. He had a little bit of trouble with, and he likely had a learning disability. Um, possibly they, you know, the school system didn't know exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of kids that fell through the cracks back in those days because uh, they couldn't quite pin down exactly what it was that was causing the the issue with their learning, whether they were dyslexic or there was something else going on. Yeah. Yeah, there's no telling what was going on with his education back then. Right, yeah. And, even and I mean, he hung around pool halls and arcades. You know, he, he was all over the place in that in that town. He knew everybody. He talked to everybody. You know, it, it's very, very possible that that's what happened, and he just didn't really, really realize what he was getting himself into. Right. He was a pretty big kid. It seemed like he was like five foot five, even though he was only 12. Yeah, his uh, family also said David did not look twelve. Right. Um, he looked he looked several years older than he actually was. The only thing was, you know, he'd been held back in school. So here here's this big, you know, kid who's just about a teenager, and he's he's struggling still in the fourth grade. Right. But, you know, things things were a lot different back in those days. Once again, to tell your listeners, you know, the 1970s and 80s, they're totally different. Mm-hmm. Now there were some sightings of David that day he went missing. One, there were some neighbors. I think their name was Bob and Joyce. They had seen him heading for the church, and then there was uh, he was spot, I think spotted again near the corner of um, I can't remember the name of the streets there, but I think it was Odell and Sycam- yeah. Odell and Sycamore. I yeah, think. like down to that church function and he'd gone in and kind of looked around and then he took off mm-hmm. uh, 
he went down to Druthers and got his hamburger and drink with his report card. And then some sources say he was last seen on the corner outside the restaurant. But other sources say he went to a friend's house to watch TV, then left the friend's house to go 30 yards to his house and just never seemed to get there. Hmm. Um, that is just so crazy. Are there any other rumors about David that you know of or theories? Well, his... Um, one teacher had mentioned, and the, this kind of got debunked, but one teacher of David's mentioned that uh, she had heard something that perhaps David had seen something that he shouldn't have, like a crime being committed or something like that, and maybe that was why he, he disappeared. But the police kind of put that at the bottom of the theory list, at the top of their theory list was, of course, David ran away, but he took nothing with him. Um, mm-hmm. There was nothing missing from his room. It was just the covers on his bed were kind of arranged like he was still sleeping there. Yeah. His uh, family wonders if, with David having epilepsy, if he didn't have a seizure and die, and whoever he was in company with um, freaked out, for lack of a better way to say it, um, and and didn't know what to do, and maybe that's why he hasn't been found. Hmm. They suddenly had a body on their hands and had to get rid of it. Right, yeah. Have you spoke with anybody from the family, David's grandmother or his mother? No, I haven't been able to track his mother down, and his grandmother passed away in 2007. Mm-hmm. He's got some aunts that are still active looking for for him. I haven't uh, contacted them, no. So, But I have been in contact with Donna. Um, that's a, a lady that's uh, from Knoxville, and she's a, um, a missing person advocate. And she she knew the family um, of, of David. Yeah. So do you know anything about the scraps of clothing they seem to have found in a septic tank? They found a, a, a what, say again, sorry, a scrap of? Some uh, scraps of what seemed to be children's clothing. In a no, se- I hadn't heard about that. Well, I was reading on Reddit, and there was uh, someone saying that uh, this would be his uncle. said that they had found okay. some uh, stuff that seemed to be some scraps of children's clothing in this neighbor's septic tank. And this okay. man who have lived to see lived in the home during the time that David went missing. Uh, he was also known to be some kind of a uh, peeping tom of sorts, generally just a creepy okay. guy. I'll have to uh, check that out. I did quickly read through that post um, that David's uncle had written. Right, he was actually born after David had had disappeared. Hmm. Hmm. I know when David went missing, he had a Pittsburgh Steelers sweatshirt on, jeans and, and tennis shoes. Right. And then he, he did look several years older than, than he actually was. Yeah, I've looked at all of his photographs, and I mean, he was 12 at the time. I don't know, just looking at the photograph, it's just hard to tell if, they're, if they look older than what they are. Be, yeah, according to his family, he did look several years older than he actually was, and I mean... You know, photographs are photographs. They're, um, a lot of the photographs of David are the posed kind, like they take in the school photos. Yeah. Um, 
you look a lot different in candid photos, which, you know, you don't have a chance to pose for than you do in the posed ones. Mm-hmm. But I do know they had, he had problems with his teeth because that medication that he had to take uh, for his epilepsy rotted his teeth, um, as, as things kind of tended to do in those days. Yeah, right. just makes me wonder, you know, the whole talk about seeing a crime and, you know, somebody wanting to do him in for seeing that crime and being, being able to be a witness. That, to me, seems more plausible than just a, a random act of kidnapping in a small town like that yeah especially hanging out like at the pool hall and that kind of stuff i'm sure there yeah was stuff well going like down. i had mentioned too and in, in trenny's case as well uh trenny lynn gibson's case and then in 19 pre like 1985 if you were a young person and you went missing that was the first thing everyone jumped to was they ran away um you know, you could trace your car. If someone stole your car, they could trace that across state lines. But if you lost your kid, you were up you-know-what creek because right. they, they couldn't do anything. Um, and they wanted everybody to wait for 48 to 72 hours before they even started looking. Um, that was the first conclusion that they always jumped to was, well, the kid just ran away. Yeah. Um, it was actually Noreen and uh, her husband, um, John Gosh Sr., when their son Johnny Gosh went missing from Iowa, the paper boy. Yeah. Uh, they were the ones that got a bill into Congress, and that changed all that. Whereas if your child was missing, you know, the authorities started looking for them right now. There was no more 72 hours, none of that. Much. Mm-hmm. But David, there were 200 volunteers, um, and they they searched everywhere in Jefferson City looking for him, and they didn't find a thing, except that possibility now where I have to go back and read that there were some children's clothing found in a septic tank. Right. That's a very good possibility. Yeah. Yeah, he could have saw something and um, somebody disposed of him. Very well, that's what, the, that's what the teacher had mentioned, and the police, I read an article that said the police kind of put that at the bottom of the of the totem pole as far as theories go. Yeah. That he saw something and he, and he, was, um, he was eliminated for that. Yeah, I'd seen several things online, too, that his father, you know, the first big theory was that his father had something to do with his disappearance. Yeah, well, his father had the type of personality, and his father's gone now. He's he's deceased, but apparently his father had the kind of personality where he was the one that wanted to be in the spotlight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's where it was kind of thought, well, maybe he snatched David or whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, David's going to, oh, wow, hey, look, you know, I found David kind of thing or, or whatever. So that was kind of why he was a, a suspect. Hmm. But he's yeah he's soon he's passed away though. Then there'll be no yeah he's gone and the grandmother is gone. Hmm. And nowhere to be uh, David's mother. I think her name was Barbara. Yeah. Nowhere yeah, to be found. Yeah, she's still alive as far as I can tell, and the ants are still alive. The ants are still looking for him. They're quite active in the uh, in the search for him. And I I think I sent you a link to that Facebook page. Find uh, David Clayton Warner. Yes, you did. Yeah, and the ants are the ones that run that. Okay. Yeah, and then they post usually a couple, three times a year, usually on his birthday, um, the anniversary of the disappearance, that that kind of thing. 
Yeah. But this is another case, um, as of about probably 12 years ago, there was absolutely nothing on this little boy um, anywhere. Um, anytime I tried to Google his name, well, it was quite funny, David Clayton Thomas would come up, the musician. <laughs> <laughs> but never, never David Clayton uh, Warner. I first came across this case, I think I was seven or eight years old, and we used to get these pamphlets at school with bicycle safety and swimming safety and things just before the summer holidays. But uh, what I liked was the four or five pages in the back, and it was all missing children from uh, from Canada and the United States. Yeah. And that was how I came across David Clayton Warner's case. And I actually, because I couldn't find anything on it online, I, I thought it had been solved that he had been found. Hmm. Well, I'm glad there's some tension being brought to this case. Yes. Yeah, but it's on the Charlie Project now. It's on the Doe Network. Um, there's been a few um, in the Knoxville Journal, a few articles written about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, WBIR out of Knoxville did a, a little, with Leslie Ackerman, did a little uh, news clip about it, three or four minutes, where she was talking to David's aunts. Yeah, I think I saw that on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder, you know, if I reach out to the the ants that run the Facebook page, if maybe we could do a follow-up with them, if they would be willing to to talk with us. That would be great. I, I did reach out to them when I, when I talked to you, and um, I just said, you know, that I'm a cold case researcher and writer, and, um, you know, I'd like to talk to you about... Uh, David, because there's going to be an upcoming episode mm-hmm. on a podcast um, about David's disappearance, but there was no reply. Really? Yeah. The hmm. person did read it. Um, they did read it. They just didn't reply to me. Hmm. Yeah, Dale was just, uh, he just turned his laptop around and showed me a picture of the septic tank in relationship to um, David's house. Yeah, David's house. It's just like... Right well, how across, far how far away was it? Well, if you see David's house, and then there's the driveway which comes off the road to the left of the house. If you drove uh-huh. up the driveway another ten feet, the septic tank would have been about looks twenty yards, uh, maybe not that far. It's in the next the next the house right beside of it, actually. Okay, and is this on the thread that's called "My Uncle Little David Clayton Warner"? <clears throat> yeah, but I kept I kept digging, and uh, they said here's a picture. From that, and it's an aerial okay. aerial shot. It's a pretty big photo, and you can see like the main blacktop road, and there's a road that turns off of it. And David's house looks like it's the second one on the left, and the one where the septic tank would have been the one on the corner, but the 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 area would be at the rear right of the house, which would be almost next to the driveway where David's house is. Hmm. Very close. Now these. I'm just looking here because it's taken me over to Web Sleuth. Now. Yes, yes, yes. That's where we're going. Is the photo on Web Sleuth? Yes. Okay. Um, hey, I'm seeing Charlie Project. Find the missing dot org. Um, let me see here. Here's the Facebook page. It's Web Web Sleuths. Uh, let's see. The address is like forums, threads, Tennessee, David Warner, 1983, and it's a photo. But I don't know how I could send it to you quick where you could check it out. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through here. I'm on page one. I'm trying to see if it's on page or two or page three. 
be interesting to know these clo- this clothing, like whose clothing it was. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what size was it? That kind of... Uh, yeah, and it, there's no details on that. Yeah, I'm on page two here and don't see it. I'm going to try page three. Okay, is this it here? No, this can't be it. Somebody's singing. This definitely is not <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> one of those dumb pop-up things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm on page three here and I don't... No, what I'm reading here, it's just talking about some uh, John Doe's that were found, if they were ruled out or not. Yeah, I'm looking at the photograph. It looks like it's just, the house is just like right next door. Yeah. Okay. Where the the clothing was found in the septic tank. Now, did they analyze these clothes, like I say, to find out, like, you know, what size they would have been? Or I haven't read the Reddit post. Dale is the one that pulled it up. Okay. I didn't see anything about that. Um, I think you said they were they were children's this, clothes. This says hi. Recently, uh, let's see. There has actually been some new info on this case. I do not know if it has been released to the public yet. There's a house right okay. next door to where they live. Okay, here it is. Yeah, I got the photo. Here. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Very close proximity here, and it says septic tank where clothing was found. Okay. Saying this neighbor would been has been known for being a peeping tom or an all around bad person in the neighborhood. Mm. Um, well, I guess a, a septic tank would be a good place, but yeah. uh, I wonder how he got found out. Right. <laughs> that yeah. They were in there. Now it says <laughs> we we have images of the clothing found, but unfortunately, I do not have them on hand to link to this post. So I don't know who we is here. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. There, I'll have to. Um, there's someone here that says that they followed the case most of their lives. Um, and hopefully if we can uh, reach out to the family and on the Facebook page and maybe they can tell us a little bit more about that clothing and, right, um, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I reach out to people, it's, you know, it's not that they're not interested or anything. They're just guarded a little bit because they don't know, you know, who this person is that's reaching out to them and if they're legit. And, right. And, yeah. And, Want to go for it. Yeah, it's, it's hit or miss when you reach out to people. We've, we've run into that quite a bit. Yes. It is, too. Um, I get a lot of people that say that I'm not who I say I am. There's nothing about, uh, um, you know, being a uh, true crime researcher or, or writer. On my Facebook page, there's just a bunch of pictures of cats and things like that. <laughs> and, uh, and jokes and, and, and what. And I'm like, well, a person has to relax, right? Yeah, you have to be a person first, that's for sure. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. So. But no, that's um, that's really interesting. I'm going to uh, have to explore that septic tank issue a little bit further. Maybe find out who that neighbor was. Right. Yeah. That's something definitely to look in and who that peeping Tom guy is. <laughs> yeah, or was. Yeah, there was, yeah. Yeah, or, um go back through property records or something and find out who lived there in 1983. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But that's my thoughts on David. I I think that he, um, because of his trusting nature, he just uh, met the wrong person and they took advantage of his, of his trust. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to lead toward the theory that he saw something he shouldn't have seen and that somebody got rid of him. Yeah. 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 I'm not sure why exactly he'd arrange his uh, bed covers that way, though. That doesn't really, uh, 
I'm not really sure. I guess just to make sure that, uh, you know, Grandma booked in or whatever, that she thought he was just sleeping and wouldn't get too uh, too excited and send uh, the cavalry out looking for him. Right, yeah. I'm sure he's done that before then. If he's she found him like that, it, it's been done before. Yeah. No, probably. It, it wasn't the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I am glad they're finally, you, you know, he's finally getting some spotlight on his case because it's been something that um, a light hasn't been shown on it in a long, long time. Yeah. Well, we'll get this out and uh, several thousand people will get to listen to it and maybe. Um, Maybe get something done. Get some you answers. Know. Yes. You never know. Or more questions either. You know. No, that's right. You never know who's listening, and they might, ha- might have the smallest shred of, well, they think it's the smallest shred of information, but it, you know, it could actually, uh, could actually so- end up solving this, and then his, his family will just, you know, know once and for all right. um, what happened, because that's the not knowing that's the killer. Yeah. If anybody knows anything, they can contact Jefferson City Police or the the local county sheriff there in Jefferson City, or even they yeah. they, they can contact contact their local agency and they can get in touch with them. Or either one of us, we'll be happy to pass it on. Yeah, absolutely. You. Or so. any one of us, we can lead them in the right direction as well. Definitely, exactly. But yeah, if anybody knows anything about David Clayton Warner that went missing in Jefferson City. In 1983, please contact someone, some kind of local authority or us, or and we'll see if we can get something solved about this little boy's case. It'd be great. Well, Laura, we really, really appreciate you being on our show. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, you're very welcome. Anytime. <laughs> you, have, you have become a really good friend to the show. I can tell you that. Amen on that, yes. Oh, no, that's, you're more than welcome, and it's um, great to know you, you fellows as well. And hopefully we can get a, be the light and shine on the dark in the dark to some of these cases. Absolutely. Well, Laura, you know, all these people have been forgotten. Right. <laughs> well, Laura, we really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. If uh, you need any more information, please reach out. We will do. Yes, yes. Thank you. All right. Good night. Right, good, good night. night. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Dale. Again, we want to thank Laura for being on the show. And uh, Laura Risty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we <laughs> learned what, how to pronounce her last name. That's really cool, though, really. Laura Risty. Yes. But really, we appreciate you being on the show and helping us with this case. Yes, we do. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, making this a, a good show. And we will have Laura back on the show in the near future again. Thank you. Yep. All right, Dale, we are going to get out of here. Let's roll, brother. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings because the next episode could be about you this is the The crack Crack house Chronicles. chronicles